This is Heavy Radio 45. Marco Battaglia here, joined by Eric Wicker. And uh, we're starting off right out the gates with a heavy metal time machine. Back on this day, if you're going to the record store in 1975, November 21st, you will see this white record, Queen's A Night at the Opera. You can pick that one up. So that uh, is quite the Classic quite album. the album. We had a local radio station that just played that whole LP a few months back, and it was pretty awesome. And then uh, November 21st, 2012, going to the record store, you would see Flotsam and Jetsam's <coughs> Ugly Noise. And we have actually a kick-ass guest that might remember a thing or two about that one. We are joined by the one and only Eric A.K. from Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. What's up, Eric? Oh, you know, a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. This is good. Kick-ass to have you here on this episode of Heavy Radio. And I know in the the football world, you and I, I think, are happy with our results. Eric's team lost today, unfortunately, but... (laughs) <laughs> yes. My Cowboys do not look great. All I know is my Cardinals are but nine yeah. and two now. So yeah, I saw that. and with with Colt McCoy from out of nowhere kicking ass. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah. just out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, this season it seems lucky. like some wild underdog wins and backup QBs coming in and kicking ass. <laughs> But yeah, we um, we like to go all kind of all over the place and go back to the roots with some of our guests. So, do you recall Eric the first time that you kind of crossed paths with heavy music, rock and roll, just something he- on the heavier end of the spectrum? Uh, yeah, my very first concert, which I barely remember, I was uh, twelve years old. Went to Kiss. Um, that was nineteen. 19- 79 I think something like that and uh, we had a couple of foreign exchange students staying at our house and they cried to my parents for days we have to go to the KISS concert we have to go to KISS concert so um, they said okay you can go but you gotta take little Eric with you so um, (laughs) I got to accompany these gorgeous Japanese girls to the KISS concert I think it was Kiss Alive 2. I don't, I'm, I don't exactly remember which tour it was, but it was 79. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a blast. That was my first introduction into really heavy music of any kind, and uh, I was sunk from that point on. Awesome. Were you, were you in Arizona back then? Yes. I've always been here. Born and Sweet. raised. In Phoenix or where? Yeah, in uh, South Scottsdale. So it's kind of a little suburb of Phoenix. Yeah, awesome. That is, uh, well, that's a rad uh, first heavy experience for sure. (laughs) And I was trying to think of what tour that was, 79. Yeah, it would have been about. Yeah, I think it was a Dynasty. Live 2, yeah. That sounds right. That's cool, man. Go ahead. Eric. Oh, I was gonna, sure. Um, yeah, Eric, I was gonna ask you kind of tied to that, um, getting started, everything. Um, if you could tell us kind of how 
uh, what influenced you influenced you to start um, to start singing and singing heavy music? Well, I've been singing since I was five years old. Um, in uh, first grade, I was I did a solo for you know Christmas pageant thing in elementary school. There was five hundred people there singing all by myself, and uh, as soon as they started cheering at the end of the song, I was I was sunk. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, it wasn't until, I want to say my sophomore, junior year of high school, that uh, I was at summer school because I ditched class all the time, so I had to go to summer school to make up the credits. And uh, I ditched class at summer school, went out to the parking lot, and there's this guy out there saying, hey, man, you want to go smoke a joint somewhere? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I've never smoked before, why not? And uh, next thing you know, me and Kelly Smith are out in the parking lot getting busted for ditching class at summer school. And he starts asking me, hey, you know anybody who can sing? I'm, sure, I'm like, sure, I can. I've been singing my whole life, you know. And uh, I went to practice with him. It was him and Jason Newstead and a couple of other guys that uh, were in the band back then. They were known as the Dogs. And... Um, they handed me Unleashed in the East and uh, Number of the Beast and said, here, learn all these tunes. And I went home and started listening to them. Pretty good ones. And I'm like, um, am I going to go to hell if I listen to this stuff? Am I? I don't I've never heard this before, you know. So, uh, you know, I learned a few of them. I learned Victim of Changes with the screams and everything. And they kind of freaked out. And they gave me a little... Uh, Levi jacket that said flots too weaker which means they're giving me my <laughs> little my little two week trial but <laughs> if you read it right from across the room it said flots tweaker and I'm like okay this is <laughs> this is not good but um, you know I've, I started that's how I started with the band and I'm I'm still here, you know. I'm pretty much the only one left. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it, once I started listening to those two records, my whole outlook on music just completely changed. You know, it's it was the most exciting stuff I had ever heard in my life, and the most challenging singing wise, and uh, you know that's that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to challenge myself vocally as much as I can from that point on. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, I know a lot, there was a, a consensus that there was some crazy range on display on uh, doomsday for the deceiver, like uh, uh, definitely lots of range, some classic some classical sounding singing, some harmonization uh, did you did you kind of learn that from those other singers that you had got exposed to, or were you kind of doing that stuff all along? Everything I've ever done, I've stolen from somebody else. Um, it was either from you know Bruce Dickinson or from Rob Halford or from somebody. Every little nuance I do in my vocal range is all from listening to somebody else and stealing their ideas and making them my own. And it's, it's a matter of 
combining them together to make it sound like your own original idea rather than a bunch of other people's. The uh, I I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it, but uh, Decibel Magazine took a deep dive into Doomsday for the Deceiver recently, and they're one of my my favorite that are still going as far as print publications, and they put Doomsday into their their Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was. Uh, Were you able? That to was fun. Check I, that I did uh, a couple little interviews with them for that, and uh, I think they even called Newstead and talked to him about it too. So. Yeah, they actually just put up the whole interview with him because he, they meant like, uh, they the band mentioned that he had a really good memory, so he got into a lot of nitty gritty details. <laughs> he definitely that guy does not forget anything ever. I mean, he's got an <laughs> elephant memory that's just ridiculous. He'll come up, you know, I'll be talking to him online or whatever. Him, you remember when we did this? I'll be like, nope, not for a second. <laughs> One thing, uh, I wondered if you remembered how this came about at all, that uh, Hammerhead wound up on the soundtrack to this Keanu Reeves movie, The Prince of Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Actually, um, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> Apparently there's just this scene where he's... Some guy, somebody's getting like a mohawk haircut or something, and Hammerhead's just playing in the background. So yeah, you you have uh, a song Hammerhead in a Keanu Reeves movie that uh, you know it's kind of before you know before the Matrix, but still a Keanu Reeves movie nonetheless. Keanu Reeves connection, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, here's a, here's a good little uh, a good this? little movie story for you. We had this manager when yeah. we were on MCA who said. Uh, you know, we're having a little meeting with her one day, and she says, we had an offer to do some, to be on this movie and to be in the soundtrack of this thing, but I had never heard of it. It sounded dumb, so I turned it down. And it ended up being Wayne's World. I'm like, are you kidding me? You turned that down? <laughs> no, what the hell's wrong with you? So that was a good little, a little turn down of our career there. <laughs> <laughs> apparently there's also in the movie uh, a more campy horror movie sleepaway camp 2 there's the doomsday album covers lurking in some of the scenes i, I did guess. just see that not too long ago somewhere <laughs> yeah i spotted that i watched that i think it was last halloween i spotted that That's funny. <laughs> um yeah i uh going off of that eric um uh the doomsday album uh, i know not just me, but a lot of metal heads. Just that's a really special album, and has continued to be for all these years. I wanted to ask you, um, when you guys were making that, um, did you guys feel that something special there? Like we really got something going, or um, I guess how did it? What was the overall feeling when you guys were putting that album together in the studio? You know, the the minute um, we got signed uh, by Metal Blade my whole thought process went to, um, you know, when do I get to start buying my different colored Lamborghini for every day of the week? And everything was a blur from that point on. I didn't pay attention to anything. I didn't do any business. I didn't try to remember stuff. I didn't really enjoy experiences. I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a big rock star. That was the only thing on my mind. And it wasn't until a couple albums later when you, know, you got your dick knocked in the dirt a few times when you're just like oh i get it that's not real 
Yeah, it's definitely a journey for sure. Yeah, so we're going on, I believe, 14 studio albums in. And, you know, for my ears, you are sounding great. Do you uh, do you credit anything for still being able to sing so well? Or uh, or what, have you done anything to maintain your voice? Or is it just, that's just how you are, how you're doing? A little of both. Um, I mean, I'm, I naturally get better as I go along, even on tour. The more nights I have in a row, the better I sound. And um, I think it's also a fact that, you know, I've, I keep trying to learn new things about my voice and about how to sing and how to, you know, maintain longevity. I try to learn as much as I can constantly. Um, you know, I, I always try to keep it in my mind that I'm kind of a newbie singer and you've got a lot to learn from others who have been doing it a while. And I still kind of have that mind frame, even though you know, it's been 35 years and 14 records now, but um, I think everything that I learn along the way keeps me going and makes my voice a little stronger. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely still strong. I was listening to the new record today actually and it's amazing your voice sounds great on it so um definitely what you're doing is working <laughs> you say. know I, i'm some of the screams are hard to do every single night so i kind of started cutting those out a little bit so to replace them mm -hmm. i try to put a little more balls on everything i try to little make everything a little more powerful a little more meaningful and uh i you know i i only shy away from the scream stuff because it's just some nights it's just hard to belt those things out you know yeah i'm sure when you go on the tour it's you gotta maintain the voice it's unlike a the guitar players you can't buy new strings of your voice so definitely <laughs> that would be that would be cool if you can get somebody to sell me new vocal cords every other <laughs> night that would be great all right just replace them <laughs> definitely um, so I, I, go, oh, go, ahead. go ahead mark no, go ahead, I, I know back when you uh, back when you guys first started playing shows, you played with kind of a who's who of some other badass bands. Is there anything that comes to mind when we kind of go through Alcatraz, Merciful Fate, Riot, Sabotage? I know you probably you crossed paths with Merciful Fate a few times over the years and toured with them. I believe. Oh yes, that, that was some great times. You know, we really haven't uh, played with or toured with too many bands that uh, that I don't remember just going, that was one of the best times of my life. You know, we've probably done 250 shows with Megadeth over the years. And as much as people talk about Dave and, and how, you know, dramaistic their whole career is and all that, I've had nothing but great times with that guy and with the band and on tour with them. And, uh, you know, there's been some crazy stories here and there, but for the most part, I'm, you know, it's, bands are just, when you're on tour with them and get to know with, know them, they're completely different than, um, than just being a fan and trying to meet somebody. It's, um, you know, you get to know the actual real person and not the rock star. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. 
that for me. Okay, kind of tied to that uh, in playing live. Um, I was going to ask you if you had any uh, favorite songs from the set list that you love playing or uh, maybe some songs that you haven't played in a while that you'd love to play again. Wow, there's a lot. Um, you know, there's <laughs> 14 records, so there's like 150 songs on our repertoire. That's And I'd like to do most of them. Um, there's a couple albums I'm not a huge fan of of ours, but I do still listen to them once in a while. So, um, you know, some of the harder songs to sing are the ones I like to do live. Like I said, I like to push myself. I like to, uh, I like the stress of trying to, um, sound just like the album when I'm, when I'm singing live. So stuff like, you know, Empty Air is a really tough one to do because it's all balls. And um, you really have to push hard to make it sound right. So I love doing that one. Um, you know, anything off the last three records is really difficult to do. So I love singing all of that stuff. Um, geez, No Place is always a task. That's always a really hard one to do. So I love singing that one. Even though we've played that at every show for the last 35 years, so I'm getting a little sick of it, but it's still, you know, super tough song to sing, so I really like doing that one a lot, too. There's a bunch of them that I've, I've just, you know, sometimes on the set, if I'm not feeling good or I'm not doing good that night, I'll go, oh, no, I've got this song next. But for the most part, you know, my view is... Uh, you know, great, I get to show off with this song now, or I get to do this song, or I get to, you know, test myself on this one, and and that's that's usually my mind frame on tour. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, uh, unfortunately for you, you've painted yourself into the corner by not only having an amazing range, but also have some of the quickest lyric delivery um, of metal vocalists, I've been for years. I've tried to sing along with your stuff, and I can hang on for maybe a, a sec, not with the vocal, the pitch, but the speed. And I'm just like, nope, uh, I'll stick to guitar. There's, uh, I'll drop there's the a couple singing. songs on the new record where I'm just like, uh, I really didn't leave myself any place to take a breath in here anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes on tour, especially on a night when I'm not doing good or I'm not feel I'm just not feeling it I will uh, do the old oh my microphone went out thing just so I can take a breath and I just move my mouth like I'm still singing only I'm not there's nothing coming out because I'm actually breathing and then I come back in hit the mic and come back in like it's screwing up on me and uh, that that helps a lot when I need to breathe <laughs> so the magic tricks the stage yep. tricks <laughs> The uh, so I always like to hear about uh, when bands get to play over in Japan. I know you've had some kick-ass experiences, uh, some sold-out shows, some good runs in Japan, playing with some badass bands. What were what was that like for you? Um, they are very, you know. First of all, you wake up in the morning and and open your your hotel room door, and if there isn't people lined up, there's gifts lined up. I mean, they treat you like you're Elvis over there. And um, we did a festival over there with Testament and a few other really cool bands. 
when we get off stage, go into our dressing room, you know, drying off and kind of winding down. And we're in there for 20 minutes and they hand, they come in and hand us a DVD completely mixed, edited and everything of the show we just got off stage doing. And it looked amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, these guys are really on top of their game. You know, uh, lights were perfect. Sound was perfect. Production was perfect. Everything was perfect all night long for every band. So they really, really take pride and in doing everything exactly right over there. Hell That's yeah. really cool. The uh, so last year I picked up this album Nervosa Perpetual Chaos and when I got to track eleven at a pleasant surprise, you were with them on this track Rebel Soul, which is a kick ass track. How did uh, how did that come about? Did they reach out to you for that? Yeah, we uh, did a couple tours in Europe with uh, Destruction. It was. Um, Nervosa opening up and then us and then destruction and it was a pretty long tour. It was you know a bunch of weeks and We got to know those girls really well. They're great girls. One of the things I love about them is they're not They're not one of those girl bands who rely on uh, Mini skirts and their boobs showing and all that they're just trying to be metal. They don't really care about any of that crap, you know and uh, That's one of the things I love about them and I became really good friends with Preka, and um, she was, you know, good friends with everybody in the band. And when they started doing their new record, she just emailed me and said, "Hey, you're singing on my record." And I said, "Okay, what? Do you send me the song." And it was pretty much that easy. I mean, she could, you know, she could uh, call me up and just say, "I'm going to be in Phoenix for." 10 minutes take me out to dinner and be like okay great she's uh like so she's <laughs> she's yeah. a great the you know all the girls in that band are just great and um they're really into metal they're not into uh being stars or being famous they just love playing metal and if they can do it in front of a bunch of people that's even better for them you know hell yeah definitely we um we so we got started off on a kick-ass foot we went in our our heavy radio time machine and we had that keanu reeves connection so i almost feel like this is the heavy metal bill and ted we picked eric ak up along the way <laughs> and we uh we like to get into our playlist uh songs as we continue the interview eric what's the first track you are adding to the heavy radio playlist on spotify and youtube yeah, definitely. Um, my first track is a new one uh, from the band All Hail the Yeti, and this song is called Headless Valley. Um, I've, I'd heard some buzz about them. Obviously, their name stood out to me, um, and then I went and checked out this song, and the chorus is like, it's got a real Alice in Chains type vibe, um, some really creepy harmonies and their voices and everything like that. Um, and this is the first time I've listened to him, and I was really impressed. Um, so I wanted to get him on our playlist. But uh, yeah, the band is called All Hail the Yeti, and the song is called Headless Valley. And I'm definitely um, intrigued to check out more from them. And uh, yeah, it's a really great song. Hell yeah. Um, we'll get into our, our new tracks. You want to go with your first old track, too, Eric? Because I think that starts us off. 
down the path. Yeah, um, yeah there's definitely. A, you know, there's a lot of uh, bands and songs that that I really love, but in the COVID times right now, it's very important to keep my band's name out there. So I'm going to go with Flotsam and Jetsam Empty Air. Hell yeah. Awesome. And I, uh, I actually am going to definitely keep that name out there because all my tracks are Flots tracks. And uh, the first one I'm going with is... Flotsam and Jetsam with the master sleeps from the st- when the storm comes down. So we're going back to the third studio album released in 1990. What, uh, do you have any memories that come to mind from that one, Eric? Oof. Um, you know, my memory banks go back a few minutes and that's about <laughs> it. But, um, you know, we did a, um, we did a DVD um, once in a death time, and that was that was one of the songs that turned out really cool on that live performance. So I, I do remember that one. That was with a completely different Flotsam lineup, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was in Katowice, Poland, and it was sold out. And that was another one of our many Megadeth shows we've done. But uh, that's. That Hell song yeah. is really hard to sing live, and it came out great on that recording. So. Yeah, there's still you know people all over the world digging into that for the first time and being amazed, and like it's still yeah, I would say it, it holds up with with so much of the other strong material for sure. And Wicker, what's your next track? Yeah, um, so little backstory on this one this classic track um i was sitting in uh, my weekly guitar lesson with my teacher mike curry and um he was teaching me i was i just started playing so he's telling me about all these metal bands and give me a crash course and he pulled out the cd and he um he put it on the in the boom box and he went to track five um and it was flotsam and jetsam doomsday for the deceiver the title track and the guitars came in and from then on that has been one of my favorite albums period um it is definitely if somebody asked me what is heavy metal i would point to that record and um i love that song so damn much and so i had to get it on the playlist so um, my first classic track is the flotsam and jetsam doomsday for the deceiver hell yeah and then Eric, what is the next track you're adding to the playlist? Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna go with uh, "Dreams of Death" off of the No Place record. Awesome. We played that one. Well, uh, we played uh, that yes. one a billion times too, and it's fun every time. It's uh, every crowd has has loved that song forever, and. Um, you know, it's one of the one of the few back then that I had a lot to do with the writing of. So, it's um, it's always had a little place in my heart. Do uh, when you write songs, do you do you play on any other instruments, or do you do it all on with the voice? I've tried to play instruments, but compared to the rest of the guys in the band, I, I just 
cower. So I'd, I'd just sit back and go, nah, I'll just sing. You guys go ahead and, you guys go ahead and write the music and play all the parts. I'll just sing the stuff. I have had to sing guitar riffs and send them to the guys before and just go, here's what I, you know, here's the, the main riff. And I'll just sing it, you know, just la, la, la it and send it to them. And sometimes they send me back what I'm hearing in my head and sometimes it's not even close. So, <laughs> yeah, we've both had that experience. Um, Wicker plays guitar and I play bass and through a lot of different groups we've had the uh the get you open up your recording or your phone and there's a a singer that's like screaming out some riff and we try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, those are always the fun ones. It's the metal process. <laughs> yeah. My next track is I'm going to Drift 1995 and I'm adding destructive signs to the playlist. And so this one shows kind of a whole different side to to your voice and to the band. Um, Do you ever bust this one out or have you in a long time? Destructive signs from Drift. You know, when the... um... When the album first came out, we were doing that one live for about half of a tour. And uh, I was playing the heavy part on guitar live because it's just ringing out chords. So I didn't really have to play anything. I just, you know, as long as I'd, my fingers were in the right spot, I was good. So we did that for a while. It came across great, but the guys had to keep um, switching from an acoustic on a stand to electric, you know, around their neck and they just got sick of it. So we pulled it out of the set. We haven't done it since. Yeah, I guess that get tough night after night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, we had a we had Nick, enough uh, we year. had enough crap going on to not have to switch guitars right in the middle of a song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Um, next one, I'm, I'll, I'm going to throw another Flotsam song in the mix. Um, this was a, a B-side. Um, I'm not sure where I heard it from at first. I think it was YouTube. Um, I didn't know there was B-sides from those days. And uh, then I actually got it on the, the anniversary edition of Doomsday. And this song is called I Live, You Die. And it's one of my favorite songs of you guys. Um, it's just kick ass that chorus just gets every time i listen to it it gets stuck in my head and um i love that song to death so i had to get that on the list that song has been around since uh 1983 they already had that song written when i joined the band so that was that was originally a a dog's tune and i think that one's been in the set Uh, every show since you know beginning of time so that's a yeah, that's was, a good one. Was New, Newstead was there when you joined the band, yes. right, Jason? Yes. Was? As a matter of fact, I think it was a month after I joined the band, he moved into my house and, and slept on my couch for about a half a year. <laughs> that's how to do it. <laughs> that guy literally went awesome. from living in our mini storage where we were practicing. Uh, he would <laughs> He would eat from the 7-Eleven across the street live in the mini storage and just, you know, write songs all day long and practice. And he went from that to making like 2 million bucks overnight 
when he joined Metallica. <laughs> right. And what's awesome is he still really very much seems to like, you know, he doesn't seem like the, the ugly side affected him. He seems very much like the same kind of dude as he was back. He's then. the exact same dude. He just says, doesn't have money problems now. So, but, but he, <laughs> he's the exact same goofy guy that I've always known. You know, he's super smart, super talented, and uh, his personality really hasn't changed at all. That's cool. Awesome. That's cool to hear. Awesome. Um, what's, uh, what's your next track, Eric? Well, I think I'm going to go with Swatting at Flies. Swatting at Flies. Fuck yeah. I was just listening to that record the other day. That one I've been trying to get on the live set list for a long time. And, you know, my guitar players are always like, it seems like it just brings the set down speed-wise all of a sudden. I'm just like, what are you talking about? That's a great tune. <laughs> nah, it just, we go from, you know, from 90 miles an hour down to 75 and then back up to 90. It's just not good for the set. I'm just like, what? you're out of your mind. So... I think that's one of the challenges when it comes to like playing heavy music, let alone like fast thrash music, to try to like weave in and out of a set list definitely becomes like a production for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to be real careful because if you put a slower paced song on the wrong spot in the set, all of a sudden you lose half the audience. You know, they're all back at the bar talking, <laughs> they're not paying attention anymore. So you can put them in there, but it's got to be in the right spot. Yeah, I always thought uh, a Dio was someone who had a really good example of like a great fucking set list because he would have, you know, fast songs that start out the night and then he would get you into this mid-tempo moody jam and then just really like he just really had. The, the mountains and the peaks and valleys down, I think, in his set list. He really did. And, you know, another thing about Dio is he, you couldn't take your eyes off the guy. It didn't matter what song he was playing. You He captured your attention the entire time, whether he was doing slow songs, fast songs. He could have sang, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and you can't take your eyes off of him and go to the bar because he, he was just so, yeah. you know, he was... He was just there in your face and in your mind the whole time he was on stage. It was he was really great at that. Yeah, and he really did. Uh, he did. God rest you, merry gentlemen, with the holidays coming up. <laughs> That's like my favorite like holiday themed song that with Iomi and Dio doing that, and it's like, wow, just <laughs> no matter what he does, no matter what he touches, it's magic. Yep, yep. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Wicker, what's your next track? Yeah, um, I wanted to get these guys on the playlist. Um, I was surprised that I don't think we've had them on before, but uh, this is S.O.D. Um, with their album from I think it's 1999. Uh, the song is Bigger Than the Devil. And um, I just, I rediscovered this song maybe a couple of years ago, and uh, it's just kicks so much ass. It uh, really demonstrates what the riffage of Scotty in and um, I wanted to get an SOD track on our playlist. So <laughs> SOD bigger than the devil. Awesome. That's an awesome. Pick. God, Eric, I knew you, <laughs> I knew you crossed paths with obviously death angel and overkill. Did you play much with anthrax or did you ever play with SOD? 
Um, no, but you know, those guys, when we were doing the Storm record in Ithaca, New York, those guys came and visited us at our hotel. And uh, that was a crazy drunk night that I will not only never forget, but can't remember. <laughs> So it was, um, we've, we've hung out with those guys a couple times and, um, you know, I was always really jealous of the bands that were in the same era as us. I'm like, why, why are these guys bigger than us? And we're not, you know, I just, I was always jealous of them. So I hated those bands most of the time. Now that I'm older and I've had a chance to go back and listen to, you know, Death Angel and Anthrax. I, I kick myself in the butt because I love the stuff now. You know, um, I go back and listen to old Death mm -hmm. Angel. I'm just like, why was I not listening to this back then? I just had my head up my butt the whole time. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mark's a Mark's yeah. a great singer. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just beside myself that I didn't become better friends with all these guys in these bands that I've played with and hung out with before. But I was always just looking at him like, you know, I, I should be farther along than you because I'm a big rock star and you're not, you're not, you know, but <laughs> yeah, you know, that, you, the competition yep, and you, and you grow up and, back in the day. you know, you, like I say, you get your dick knocked in the dirt a few times and reality hits you. And now I'm, I look at all these guys, you know, Testament, Death Angel, all those bands as brothers in the same boat with me and um it's a completely different feel and now i can actually enjoy their music and i really enjoy their newer stuff so um it's it's opened up a whole different world for me growing up in the metal industry yeah and i think especially these last couple years where so many people had to reevaluate you know the the music and not being able to play live everywhere you want to and I, I think you really should feel good about so many of the fans around the world would say uh, Testament is getting you know it seems like almost stronger every album and Anthrax and Flotsam and Jetsam as well like you've all had this string of re releases that have been really well received and that you know that there's this debate among fans that they're they're just as strong as as, as the old stuff yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that really uh, hit me about um, being friends with uh, all these bands that, I, you know, I grew up playing with was Worrell, Dane, and I, I think we kind of hated each other. We went on a big, um, we went on a big Megadeth tour, our very first European tour, their band and ours, both first time ever in Europe. And uh, it was... Megadeth, Testament, Flotsam, and Sanctuary. And Worrell and I just hated each other. We had this competition going on. I, you know, I'm a better singer than you. I'm a better singer than you, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple years ago, we started talking to each other online, and we actually became really good friends, and then the guy dies. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. You know what I mean? I'm, I have to, when I... When I get the chance to, um, you know, talk to Mark from Death Angel or to hang out with Chuck Billy or whatever, I'm going to take it because you just never know. None of us are getting any younger. And I really regret not becoming really good friends with those guys back in the day. And um, 
you know, I want to, I want that all to happen before it's too late. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I think, I think we're on my pick. I might've got lost in the badass story there. <laughs> my next track yeah. is, yeah. is Ugly Noise uh, from, so from the studio album, Ugly Noise, it's the title track, Ugly Noise. And there was some, so the, the artwork, I don't know if it's the actual piano that's in this, in this song, but so there's some awesome piano going on in the intro. And if I remember right, Jason came back to write some songs on this one. Yep, he wrote that one and uh, another song, I forget which one it was, but he wrote a couple tunes on there and then Mike Gilbert pretty much wrote the rest of them. But um, that was a lot of fun. I mean, he kind of wanted to come back as as uh, Papa Bear and, and make sure we were doing everything the right way that he thought we ought to be doing everything. So it, it was kind of fun, you know. Um, it seems like every year I talk to Newstead and go, hey, why don't you come back to the band? And he'll be like, yeah, well, maybe I'll come out and we'll hang out and jam a little. And then we don't see him again for another year. And every year it's the same story. He comes out, hey, let's go, let's jam together. Let's go out to eat. We, you know, it's just like old times, old friends again. And then he just disappears for a year. So it's, it was nice to have him actually writing on this record and being uh, involved in it. Hell yeah. It's cool, though. Hell yeah. Eric, what is your next track? Um, I'm going to go with one of the new ones. Uh, Cry for the Dead. Hell yeah. Cry for the Dead. So what inspired you on this track? This was a uh, Mike Gilbert tune that he sent me, and he's like, I, I really want to do... You know, we've had some decent luck and some favorite metal ballad type of things. And so he sent me this, and he really had the uh, middle part of No Place for Disgrace in mind when he wrote it. So he sent me this thing, and I, uh, I'm i like, what's the title of it? And he says, I don't know, just come up with something. Usually I ask them what's the title of the song, and that gives me lyrical ideas. So I just kind of run with whatever title they give me. Mm -hmm. um, this one, my mom was in the hospital with COVID and had a tube down her throat, and it was looking like I was never going to see her again. And that was kind of the um, the drive behind the lyrics on this one. And, uh, of course, she pulled through. She's 85 years old. She pulled through it, and she's fine now, but... You know, at the time, it was it was really scary, and and I don't I don't like that sad feeling, you know. So I was just like, maybe I'll write it and get it out of my system. Yeah, that's cool, man. Whippy, what's your next track? Right. Yeah, I think I wanted to get these uh, these cats on the. The playlist as well um their newer band this uh their name is starkill and the song is called walk through fire um i guess just maybe put them in the i don't want to really put them stuck them in a genre but i'd say maybe in the the power metal zone um but they they definitely got a lot of thrash and grit to them too so 
Um, they definitely got their own sound going, but uh, yeah, I really thought they were uh, interesting and wanted to jump into their catalog and see what else they got, but um, I wanted to give them a shout out. So the band is Starkill, and the song is Walk Through Fire. I'm going to have to check that out. Brad. <laughs> Brad. My next track, yeah. I'm going I'm going with the end from the end of Chaos, the mo- second most recent Flotsam and Jetsam album. And this is definitely an epic track. And I feel like this is one you would definitely have to ponder where you're going to put it in the set list unless you're just going to fucking kill them every song, which is what you guys usually do anyway. But <laughs> the fucking the end, this was like just a... I don't know. This was a wild ass song. Yeah, that was a uh, that was one of the better tunes when we were writing that record, and um, when it came time to putting putting it in the lineup on the record, they're just like, uh, "Where's the end gonna go?" And I said, "Well, at the end, of course. It's it says right <laughs> in the title." And they, you know, they battled with me a little bit on it, but they came around to the notion of at the very end of the record you really want to slap people in the face so they have to go back and listen to everything again hell yeah I, I, it definitely I comes across that, that way <laughs> yeah and so the heavy radio 45 the we're getting to the end this list end of the tracks what is the last track you're adding to the playlist Eric um I'm gonna have to go with the walls from the new record That one is uh, walls, and so this. Yeah, that one's kind of a uh, an an anti-suicide song, and um, you know I've I've had people get a hold of me before and just say I was on the verge of putting a gun to my head, and then I listened to Better Off Dead from the Cold Record, and it saved me. You know, it made me realize that I'm not the only one feeling this way. And uh, I've, I've actually had three or four people tell me that they were on the verge of suicide and that song saved them. And so I wanted to write something that kind of tributed that, you know, that's, that's kind of says, you know, there's something else you're here for. It's not just to, to ease your pain and get out of suffering. You're, there's another reason for you. And uh, that's where, that, where the song The Walls came from. That's that's so awesome. That's a good positive message, yeah. Yeah. My I also am adding a track from Blood in the Water. Mine's the title track just because ever since I saw that music video I've been I've been spinning it uh nonstop. Blood in the Water. Just a, a killer song, a badass music video. So you guys have gotten to do quite a few music videos over the years what were some of your favorites or do you have any memories from the specifically the music video uh, side of things um you know one of my favorites is waiting through the darkness um that one was it was on mca so it was a big huge production they probably spent a quarter million dollars on that thing and they were trying new stuff so at the time we weren't quite in the full digital age yet everybody still had tvs with uh you know contrast adjustments and stuff on them and if you turn the contrast way up on the video you could see another video come out of the background 
there's, there's actually two videos on there, and, and once in a while you see a flash, and you see the second video back behind it come out. But uh, if you turn the contrast up on your TV, you could see the other video the whole time. And that was one of those cool new things they were trying out on us. And, um, you know, that one, that one was a whole week in, you know, in L.A. of just partying hard. And matter of fact, we filmed it in an old burnt down brewery. So it was um, it was a lot of fun. It was huge production. There was directors and five light guys and sound guys everywhere and, you know, script girls and all kinds of crap. It was it was like filming a movie. So that one was always one of my favorites. Um, Swatting at Flies is another really cool video to do. Um, you know, I, I kind of remember how much fun I had at stuff. So <laughs> they were uh, they were definitely a lot of fun. The new ones were um, very quick, even though they were a very fun, and we had a lot of agreement of to what direction the videos were going to go and what we were doing with them. Um, you know, the, the video director gave us his idea and we're just like, that's a lot better than what anything the rest of us had in mind. So let's run with that. And, uh, you know, once we got done filming it and saw the editing, we were just like, oh, this is, this is a great idea. This is why there's director and not just band guys writing videos. Yeah. So I know, uh. I know you mentioned in some interview uh, about with the new album that there were a lot of songs that you had come up with that you're still thinking about for, for uh, you know future releases. Do you know? Do you know what's next, or has the uh, global events kind of put that on hold for the moment? We are in the middle of writing the next record right now, even though it's it's coming along very slowly. Um, you know, because of everything going on and touring being canceled and, you know, we just canceled the big Accept tour and we canceled another couple headline tours and everything's just getting canceled right and left all over the place. And uh, we're stuck at home kind of going, well, what do we do now? So everybody's kind of writing, but the, the, the creativity is just not flowing right now. You know, everybody's sending me some songs I'm just like yeah that riff's kind of old hat you know try it again and I'll send them lyrics on one that they that they're really excited about and they're just like yeah well let's let's go come back to this so we're really kind of struggling right now but um, you know once we start practicing and touring and uh, doing a bunch of stuff together and actually playing songs it'll all come back around to us pretty quickly yeah, I think I, when I, I mean, going to see a show like really inspires me. So it's definitely tough to like go down there with the bass and, and not have had as many badass concert experiences. But one thing with the, the holidays coming up, I've been trying to get people gifts from musicians and artists because if anything, it's made me realize how much in heavy music, you know, we support each other and we're literally keeping hold the flame. So when it comes to inspiration, I think a good way to close out, what's a song by another vocalist that you like to sing? Like what would be one of the ones you had, if you had to pick a song by someone else to belt out, what do you go to? Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
you know, Victim of Changes is always fun to do. Um, I'm a huge Halford fan. Um, I like Lost from Death Angel, even though it's one of their their not-so-heavy songs. I really like that tune a lot. It, they put a lot of thought into that when they were writing it. Um, there's a lot of stuff, really. I mean, even though I, I don't like to sing it and really can't sing it very well, I like the Mad Butcher from, Destruct, from Destruction. You know, <laughs> there, I like a lot of really weird stuff I'm all over the plate when it comes to um, what I listen to and what I don't I mean I um, I have a little construction company here where we do you know kitchen and bathroom remodels and stuff and I listen to Michael Buble all day because it just keeps me calm so <laughs> you know I, I listen to a little yeah. bit of everything I've always been a huge Sinatra fan so I listen to a lot of that um when it comes to singing other metal stuff, geez, I don't know. I always turn to the to the classics, Old Maiden, and uh, you know some old Priest. That's always the you know it's the stuff I kind of learned on, and that's still really difficult stuff to sing most of it. Hell yeah, awesome! Heavy Radio Forty Five. It's been a kick-ass time with Eric, yeah. AK. It's a been an honor you, having you we will definitely crank the new tunes when we have them but definitely still in heavy rotation uh end of chaos and blood in the water are just still killing us every every time we crank them so definitely thanks for all the kick-ass music yeah, thank you. and uh, yeah fuck yeah heavy radio 45 crank it